welcome. It is the Ski Bum Podcast, episode number 325. Is your pals Mario and Brian? Whew, it's been a hot minute. Mario, what's up? It's barely making it to the uh, holidays. I feel like it's been a last, you know, last mile sprint. And uh, it's good to be there. We got a lot going on. I mean, I'm pretty tired lately with work and life, but. Uh, kind of getting ready to close out the year in a good way, get some skiing in maybe. And I don't know. You know see what I, Santa brings. I almost feel like this ski season in the East coast is a perfect metaphor for how the podcast has gone this season so far. It's been a tough one. Like we had a good little run. Then things got a little bit rough. Like we had, I, my family's been sick since we were in Boston. I was sick. Wife was sick. Kids were sick. Flu, I'm calling it. I don't know. It's been it's been <laughs> it's been rough. But again, we're getting like you said, we're getting to Christmas. We're getting to this point. Everything's looking up. We're gonna stay positive. We actually had a great interview with our pal Sam Weintraub from Peak Rankings, and we talked to him recently. We're gonna have uh, for the main topic our interview with him. We're actually going to break it into two episodes because it was a long interview. We talked yeah. about a lot oh, of yeah. really good stuff. So we're, going to, so we're going to break it into two. So this is going to be the first half. And then next week, which when most people are taking off, not doing anything because it's the week between Christmas and New Year's, we are going to be back on and we'll give you guys the second half of that. So something to look forward to. It's our little gift to you. We we have to suffer so you guys have something to listen to on your on your road trips and your ski trips and your family time and your I want to get away from family time and hang out in the car and listen to a podcast rather than deal with everybody at dinner. Perfect time. We're here for you. We're yeah. here for you. Bring it in. Hey, how about a hug? <laughs> how about a hug? How about a hug? Hugging your well, ears everywhere right. you are. The weekly audio ski trip. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We do appreciate it. Check us out, skibumpodcast.com. We're on the socials, X, Instagram, Facebook, Untapped, YouTube, at Ski Bum Podcast. Patreon, if you want to help the show out, you want to be part of it, hook us up. Help us out. Be part of it. Patreon.com slash Ski Bum Podcast. Check it out there. We have all the different tiers if you want to join. We got a shop. It's too late for Christmas. Probably too late for Kwanzaa. I think we missed Hanukkah. I don't even know when anything is. Ski season, though. Ski Peak season. Ski Everybody season. knows that. Peak apre season. We still got your back for that. Skibumpodcast.com slash shop. We got some good swag in there. Check that out. We've been talking about this for months. Our pals over at 10,000. They are making some of the best workout gear Workout clothes for men, 10,000.cc. Their whole motto is better than yesterday. Their I, heart of 10,000 is the idea of pursuit in business, fitness, life, and skiing. They believe in moving forward with a quiet dedication to constant improvement and to becoming just a bit better than we were yesterday. If you go to their website, 10,000.cc, use the code bschneider 15 B-S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R-1-5. 15% off. They got all kinds of other sales going on. Check them out. You're probably going to try to ski your legs into ski shape again this year, aren't you? We all do. You could have been working out. Could have had some interval shorts. Could have been 
getting after it, doing some hit classes, doing some workouts, it's okay. You can still do a little bit of stretching, maybe do some uh, some squat thrusts, get ready, do what you got to do. 10,000 is there to help. So check them out. We appreciate it. Mario, let's kick this off the way we always do. It's time for our pray today. So I actually made a good effort while out holiday shopping for alcohol, of course, because that's the gift that keeps giving work gifts, grab bag gifts, white elephant gifts. You bring a bottle of any alcohol. That's a that's a home run. Everybody loves it because it can't go wrong. If you don't drink, you give it to somebody who does. Merry Christmas. You do drink. Merry Christmas. You drink it at home. Somebody gets or it. The they car. don't like you. Yeah, or in the car. Somebody doesn't like it, like you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. They give it away. You know, it, it's perfect. So uh as I was doing that, I I stocked up on one of those, you know, get some craft beers. Cause I went to Total Wine down here, which is they get a nice one down here too. And uh it's a they have the cans, you know, the single cans of craft beer. So I decided to get some good stuff and i found one that we know and love this was perfect for me to run into it uh i am drinking a heat wave by magnified wow. Brewing company they had magnified down there in uh florida huh in in cigar city country i mean that's like bringing Pretty confederate cool. money down here dude magnifies beer come down south yeah magnifies blowing up total wines got tremendous distribution we got one down by us down here place is crazy we drove past it got my on... tabasco mug with like half foam because i can't pour a beer for shit just oh saying boy. we drove past total wine the day before thanksgiving and i've never seen lines onto the highway oh. like that ever before it was it was crazy i'm like someone's definitely gonna die or people, so are, the... people are probably hammered going there and people oh, yeah. are hammered leaving so this is not going to be good so this is the so this is the heat wave. So I found out a trick about Total Wine. I I like to pound miles for United because I always fly United generally because of deals I get and stuff like that. Um, so I found out through the United website you could buy through Total Wine online, pick up in store, and get United miles for it. Look at that. E- easy miles right there. I'm going to drink it. So why not, right? <clears throat> That's like so almost that, unfair. Yeah. One <laughs> mile per dollar that you spend. I'm like, I'm spending it anyway. And I just buy it online. I don't have to go shop around. I just pick this shit up. Like, so I yeah. shopped online. They had a whole bunch of stuff, like bottles that were like, buy two and you get 20% off and shit like that. Like, cause I guess they do these deals with, uh, if it's a direct ship from the producer, they'll offer these deals. So I was like, huh, I'm learning all the, the tricks of it. So I'm like, I'm going to work these miles and these deals. So I'm losing money if I don't buy there. Hey, this is what this podcast does. We offer you guys tons of great information. This is That's a yeah. huge tip. If you can get people a couple of free miles or you know, just for a lot of free miles, they're going to buy anyway. You know, it's a no brainer. I bought a ton of Christmas gifts at work because everybody's an alcoholic. Um, family get and our dog's getting into the action. Uh, he's partying. He's boozing it up too. He's like, "Yes, I was boozing. I got my my little 
my little stash as well. Um, <laughs> he's being such a little asshole. Uh, they're yelling at him, of course. He's like, I don't care. Ruff, ruff. Um, it's Christmas. What are you going to do? It's Christmas. Try to catch me. Uh, so this is a heat wave. This is an IPA, American IPA. Uh, 6.1 ABV. And it's hopped with Simcoe, Katow, White, E.T., and Sabro hops. So they're really getting a little fancy with their hops. But... Uh, hmm. Oh, this drinks really well. This is a good, this is a good beer. It... Um, doesn't have a lot of fruit, but has like a little citrusy hint. Um, good crisp hops flavor, you know, just kind of, um, I've never heard of the Ko- Koatu and Waiiti or Sabro hops. So I don't know if they're what they're usually used in, but hmm. uh, it's pretty good taste in IPA. Um, I got to say it's more like. I don't really know what it's like. Um, it's very unique, but it's it's not bad. Um, not bad at all. It's actually really good. It's hazy. It's got that nice haze. Got a nice juicy taste to it. Very nice. Juicy. That's how I describe it. A juicy, juicy hoppy beer, but it's not like too hoppy. You know how you get some that are just kind of over hoppy that kind of, yeah. I call them stomach crushers where they kind of, Bah, you just hopped your stomach and you can't drink anything anymore. Yeah. This has a nice, nice balance where it's the flavor of hops, but not like that heaviness. Um, okay. So for 6.1, it drinks light. It has it's light on the palate. Um, it's going to knock you on your ass at some point if you keep pounding them. But uh, it's, uh, I got to say, I'm impressed. I, I love Magnify. They make some good beers. Yeah, they make some really good stuff. And they had a few other magnifies at the total wine by me. So I'm going to, I'm going to stock up eventually. There are buddies. That was our first real interview. That was. Yeah. So Eric if you go into, Magnify. Yeah. You go into the uh, archives. I got to say it was what episode 20, 15, 20, something like that. Yeah. Um, and we interviewed Eric from Magnify, Eric Ruta. Um, Hung out at Magnify, met him, met up with him at a few events. I remember running into him in Atlantic City, the uh, the beer festival they have up there. So oh yeah, yeah. Just yeah, kind of cool stuff. So it's good to see they're still keeping it real and they're they're working their ass off, man. Yeah, they're crushing it. How about you, Brad? Very, Very good stuff. Ha. So what did I do? So I, it's that time of year. Podcast number 16, by the way. I just looked it up. Podcast 16. 16. One six. Look in the, look in the archives. It's there. This is pre-20s. We just barely broke double digits. The way back machine. So for my opera today, you know, it's that time of year. And that time of year, there's only one drink. When I think of the ultimate après, I'm thinking Europe. I'm thinking Switzerland. I'm thinking a nice, warm mm. drink inside the mountain. Ooh. Yes, sir. You know it, and I know it. You kind of see in there? I've got the glue vine. Oh, that's good, good stuff. Mm. And that's not any store bought. 
sticky, syrupy crap. This is homemade fresh stuff, right? True, but if you do want to go to True or Total Wine, they do have Gluvine there. I did see it. Uh, I don't know if it's any good. I just know it was at the front when you check out last time I was there, which was right around uh, Thanksgiving-ish. I made huh, a picture. Nice. Of it. I took a picture of it to show to show the the wife. Because I'm like, hey, look. Because whenever anything Gluvine related is around, I get excited. Here we go, Winterlandschaft. Winterlandschaft. Winery huh. direct. Ten bucks. Wow. And it's kind of like not focusing very well, but it's from Germany. Nice type of mulled wine, which is still produced according to old world tradition. Delicious combination of red wine that is sweetened and spiced with cloves, cinnamon, orange, and lemon peel. Blue vine is ready to drink. Heat, do not boil to enjoy. Great on any cold day. So I got to say, when I was in Switzerland skiing, they had they didn't have glue wine at every place, but they always had hot wine. So they just take regular wine, don't even put all the stuff in it, heat it up nice, drink it when you're outside. It's magical. It's lazy. Magical. You're walking around looking at holiday at Christmas lights this holiday and it's cold out. Go travel with a roadie. Have a nice hot glue wine or a nice hot wine with you. That's what I recommend. It makes a big difference. It really, it it turns up the festivity to 11. Oh yeah. No no denying that. You could stand everybody at that point. (laughs) You really can. It brings people together. (laughs) Yeah. I tried buying eggnog. You just made that? Uh, Andrew made it like two weeks ago. Oh, so wow. nice so you didn't even have to make it. it. She made it for you. She made it. Yeah. Well, she did that. So we did like a more magical Christmas, like, you know, family gifts. We give stuff to their families. They give stuff to us. And nice. one of the gifts she gave people was like, she bought those like stop tops, like the you know, wine bottles. Yeah. Hopper on there. She bought those and, you know, wrote like glue vine on there and gave them to people. So I did got, the Jaeger tea that one year. That was like, yes, people get it and like, Oh my God, this is like rocket fuel. This is awesome. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah. So we've, we've got one bottle left. So we'll probably got to make more for Christmas since everyone's got goddamn COVID in my house and mom's got COVID. So we're supposed to go there for Christmas Eve and I'm not going to do that. So we got to like that cure COVID change. We can't say for sure. It's because we are not the science, but I do. I have heard people say that this will kill COVID. Is that see? COVID cannot last in a glue wine rich environment. Not with not with mulled wine and brandy. It's just it's got no chance. <laughs> no chance. Now that's it. So I've actually made my own stolens this year for the first time ever. You did. I actually made them. Wow. Made my own marzipan. Made my own stolens. Made my own sourdough mixer. It really, it, it just, it's time consuming. It's because it's like one of those things where you got to like, you got to make the yeast dough and let it sit overnight. And you got to yeah. go and mix everything together and let it sit for an hour and a half. And you got to mix it again and let it rise for two hours. So it's, it's are a lot of Are you using regular like, yeast or are you using the instant? Instant. Yeah. Yeah. But now I'm making two more loaves that are actually sourdough stolen. I'm going to probably start those tomorrow. But I made the marzipan. And you know what I did today? What I did, because I'm a fucking savage. I made a marzipan latte. Look at you. Marzipan latte. Think about it. You know, amaretto is great in coffee. Chuck it in there. What's different about marzipan's got 
powdered sugar in it. It's got orange blossoms, got egg whites. I just so blended good. it right into my coffee. And I was like, God damn it. I'm a genius. This is delicious. Next, it's Starbucks. If it's that, really good, right? Boom. That said, I cannot do this very often because there's so much freaking sugar in there that I'm going <laughs> to get goddamn yeah. diabetes, lose a foot. Diabetes. So, that's, that's right. Got to dial that back. But yeah, I'm making my own stuff. And one of the things that I did too, so this is a, the, another awesome thing. So the recipe called for dry, you know, dried fruit. You use dried cherries and dried raisins. Raisins are ghetto to me. I just use cherries. Got the dried cherries and you got to soak them. It says apple cider. I chose brandy, which is nice. way tastier. Now you soak them overnight and then you drain them. The brandy that was infused with oh, the cherry from good. the dried cherries. So good. Cause I used the Aspa. Nice. I used a good brandy and then I yeah. just drained them. And then I have the cherry flavored Aspa. Dude, it's so good. It's so nice. good. It's a good idea. Yeah. I'm a smart man. Look at this. The freaking marzipan latte, the, the cherry from the brandy. Like I'm crushing it. If, man, if I wanted to go and a fresh stolen, and a fresh motherfucking stolen. If I wanted to go full fat fuck, like I have all the tools at my disposal right now. You don't have to go anywhere. Just be, make that shit at home. You just see me next podcast is like Brian's like eight chins and like neck out eight to here. He doesn't leave the house anymore. He orders his baking ingredients online. They deliver them. This stuff is, dude, marzipan is too easy to make. It's five yeah. ingredients, food processor, five minutes, it's done. Boom. I made my first uh, loaves today of sourdough bread. Nice. Yeah, pretty good. Did I'm it? becoming nice. quite the bread maker. Look so. at you. Look at us. We should just change our podcast to be like the uh, the, the fat former skiers. We can the have apres. a bakery bakery on the mountain. We should just talk about app. Like, just have an apre. Like, that'll be our that'll be our thing. Just the apre podcast. Have an apre place on a ski mountain with all fresh baked goods and crazy awesome drinks. That would be good. All upscale. No, this ghetto shit. No, this no. High no, this beer out of a tap. Velvet rope. Velvet rope. We only have things out of a cask. It's got to be the time. Right. It's like like four drinks, and that's it. We're done. That's it. That's that's what we do. Yeah. And like, how when do you open? Probably from like three to three fifteen, because it's all going to be sold out. We're that's done. right. We're out of here. We open till we sell out, and we sell out. Everybody. You don't have to go home, but you got to get the hell out of here. That's you it. Only take cash and Bitcoin, and <laughs> that's right. We'll probably be closed by three thirty. Uh, yeah, we'll just best goddamn be food out. you ever had, though. That's right. If you're one of the first, you know, two hundred people in the tent or the place that we have, whatever, whatever we have, get we a, got a yurt. Yurt. We got a yurt. Yurt. It has to be a this yurt. Looks like a tent. This is a yurt. This is a yurt. <laughs> Good day, sir. You will be like the uh, soup Nazi. We like yeah. the bakery opera Nazi. No, no opera for you. Get out. This band identifies year. as a yurt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Start kicking people out. Get to stepping. Ski away, son. Just ski away. <laughs> Just ski. Just ski, ski away. But I'm gonna snowboard. Just board away then. Yeah. I still see you here. Well. Speaking of just skiing and boarding, let's go to ski news. And first two stories are kind of kind of rough. Now, for those in the Northeast, I'm sure you're well aware 
there was we just got absolutely pounded with rain Sunday, Monday this week. And, you know, there was before then they were starting to get some pretty decent snow on the ground. They were blowing a lot of snow. Things were getting in good shape. People were looking at Christmas week. They're like, all right, we're we're going to be ready. It's going to be a good time. No, not anymore. Not good. So New Hampshire recovering after warm, rainy start to the season. New Hampshire ski mountains were inundated with rain Monday, washing away snow and forcing shutdowns. Waterville Valley, which we skied at earlier this year, reported approximately five inches of rain in the 24-hour period. Wow. Prompting the mountain to suspend alpine skiing on Tuesday and Wednesday. The resort said its base lodge, lift terminals, and other buildings were impacted by the storm and will require, quote-unquote, deep cleaning before reopening. Mm. We're aiming to provide the best quality snow surfaces as we head into the holiday period following the weather events. We thank everyone for their patience during this time. Wildcat also remain closed Wednesday while they restore our snow surfaces and facilities. Loon Mountain closed Tuesday to allow employees and other residents to recover. Mm. Uh, but it reopens Wednesday, which is when we're recording this. Also up at Sunday River in Maine, they're remaining closed due to the damage caused by severe flash flooding. They had some bad flash flooding up there in those Dude. parts, right? I saw it on TV and it was like, what did the, a dam just break? They're like, no, it's yeah. flash flooding. I'm like, holy crap. It was a yeah, lot. They're showing the river up by uh, Mount Washington too in New Hampshire. It, 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 yeah. was, it, it looked terrifying. That's the only yeah. way I could be terrifying. I didn't realize it was that much rain that fell at one time. It's crazy. It just kept coming down. Yeah. Wow. So Sunday River, they're going to be closed through today, which is the 20th, the, the Wednesday due to flash flooding. There were gusts up to 132 miles an hour. Man. Crazy. So severe weather, forced closure, many ski resorts. Since uh, Monday, the resorts that did manage to open on Monday shut down early due to high winds. Parts of the Northeast are experiencing intense flooding, having received over six inches of rain in 24 hours, leading to power outages throughout the region. According to poweroutage.us, 400,000 customers were without power in Maine and around 250,000 in Massachusetts. Hmm. Greg Falls Dam and Kelly's Fall Dam are currently releasing water to reduce water levels caused by excessive rainfall. Flood warnings remain in effect for many areas across New England areas until Tuesday, which has passed. Luckily, as the rain begins to dissipate, the aftermath of the storm's damage will become visible across the region. Yeah, there's there's tons of videos of you know trees down, flooding. Uh, it was it was bad and. I mean, not that it came out of nowhere, but it, it didn't look, I mean, it looked like it was going to be a, a storm that rolled through, but then it kind of formed into a nor'easter and everything kind of consolidated. It looked like the rainfall and just the band that, that whipped through just, just unloaded. And it was rain mm. for most of the Northeast. Like, I think, I think Jay still got snow, but most places I remember looking at the weather. I think it was like, low 40s or low 50s high 40s all the way up to maine Man. which it's just like it's cleared everything like, out really you're like goddamn really like it was just such a perfect shitstorm across the whole northeast uh, and 
timing was bad and just a lot of destruction. Usually there's a big January thaw that like the January thaw usually is something like that where you get a big rainstorm. So maybe it hit early and then we're in for really good ski weather the rest of the way. Maybe that'll happen, right? And all the snowmaking ponds, very full. So, you you know, all you can yeah. really do in a situation like this is just stay positive. That, that's really all you can do. Lemons into lemonade? Yeah. Lemons but, into lemonades. That's <laughs> But, Turn you know, again, at the, end, at the end of the story, you know, or end of the day with the story like this, you, you're really just, you know, it sucks that you're like, oh, I wanted to go skiing. I can't go now. You really got to think about all the folks who this affected. And, you know, that's obviously that's way more important. The people who make all of this possible you know, the families, like, that's what matters. So, you know, we'll get to skiing, we get to skiing, but, you know, let's make sure fans up there taking care of their, their families, taking care of the people who, you know, make these resorts thrive. That's let's watch out for Hope them. First, bounces back. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And then we'll get being rebound we'll back having fun. Yes. Yeah. All right. Next up in ski news, we have the nation's largest ski resort is going semi-private. So I think we've, we've talked, talked about, about Powder Mountain more than any other yeah. mountain in the last three months. <laughs> yeah, for some reason it keeps coming up. And while I was there for a brief two days, day, I think it was a day. I don't remember. It was it was all a blur. I was hammered. No, I'm joking. Um, it was a while ago. Um, it was definitely. Ago? I think we just did one day. Yeah. Um, two years. Yeah. Two years ago. It was a great trip. Uh, really nice. And it was before all the ridiculousness happened with all the announcements and the sale and everything. So um, they're going private and public. They have a semi-private model. Uh, and it's, it's pretty unique what they're doing. So I guess they're doing uh, some lifts will be public. And then they're going to have some private only lifts that include Village Marys and a yet-to-be lift on Raintree. Uh, so they're going to say everything else will remain public access to pass holders and day ticket skiers. So the private only is going to be if you have a place on the mountain. I'm like, that's pretty badass. I love that. Um, I was so what you're saying is we got to buy something up there ASAP. Yes. And that's the place where if you haven't heard it before, I was in the owner's year. And I was talking to the people there on the trip that we were, it was a media trip. And they were like, yeah, no, if you rent your place out, they're not owners. They they don't have access to this yurt. And this yurt was baller. It was like... <laughs> How did you get in then? I felt like a sultan. Uh, media, media, baby. I got to check this shit out to talk about it. They know our podcast. They were like, yeah, Hot Flute and yeah. Skiba. It was... Uh, we I know you guys our... are going to be owners soon. So, you know, we're like, we're pre-owners. 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 Um, we were with one of our buddies that we uh, we met up at um, Ski Utah. JP. And uh, yeah, JP. And he uh, he he did some sweet talking and got us into the uh, owner's year. I was like, ah, cool. Had a nice little lunch there and sat down like gentlemen. It was, it was pretty good. But anyway, they're, uh, so, so this is kind of a weird thing. So they're going to be doing you know, public and private lifts and areas to go. So we'll see how this works out. I imagine this is going to be, this was the natural evolution of people when they have money and they start going skiing, 
You want to have a private area and your public area. You want to have the velvet rope area, the velvet, you know, the velvet rope drop versus the regular ghetto rope drop, right? Like, well, it's funny because think about it. Like, you could be the Yellowstone Club. You could be rich. You can be doing your thing. But in this model, it's almost as if you want people to see you. It's like, yeah. oh, I see you're over there on the commoners line for the lift. I'm over here. You're over I there. will be going over here <laughs> with the fancy people to go ski on this lift. Look, there's no lift lines for me at all. Toodaloo. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it's crazy how it's almost like a lift to lift basis that it's going to be public versus private. I wonder if it's going to be some sort of like security checkpoint. Is it going to be like a TSA? Is it going to be like a goon squad who's like roughing people up who are trying to? There better be a goon squad. Yeah, right. You don't have a bouncer. There's no. There's no. There's no rules to VIP versus not. Then people start walking in. Ski bouncers union. That's right. People on like like ninjas riding on you know, snowmobiles and crazy ass foil skis chasing you down and beating you up. They just got like the winter camo on. They're just like hiding in the snow. Like you don't even know they're there. They just pop out. They're like, whoa, and just taking whoa. people down. And then you get the goon hand. That's when, once you get, you know, manhandled and goon, you get the goon hand. That's it. Get, I think it's going to be almost like apocalypse snow. People I th- just, I, just going after you. Just going after you. Yeah, I'm trying to, yeah. try to run from them all day. So, yeah. uh, the letter of the announcement was issued by Powder Mountain CEO Reed Hastings. So he's the investor and executive chairman of Netflix streaming service. And uh, he was the one that just bought uh, Powder. Well, I guess one of the major shareholders. Um, I think he's got the 51% ownership at this point. See, that's nice. I'll let all you guys vote and then I'll tell you what we're going to do. Yeah, That's the way to do it. Like you, you're done listening to them. Like your votes don't count. Shut up. This is what we're doing. Like, hey, yada yada yada. This, yeah, this is the point. <laughs> Here's the point. So, um, yeah. So, in part of the statement, said including uh, homeowners only private skiing in the resort's portfolio is part of the plan to sell more real estate. So Hastings explained that the resort has been struggling financially, but by including private lift access as part of the deal, Powder Mountain hopes to increase on mountain real estate sales and prices, which is unsaid, um, mm-hmm. thus improving its finances without selling to a conglomerate or joining a mega pass program. Two moves that could increase increase crowding. So they want to increase, increase revenue without increasing the crowding. And he threw a nice little jab at the big passes saying, we didn't want to sell out and be part of a mega pass program to make our money. So very interesting Um I got to say Powder Mountain is one of those unassuming places where you go. You're like, all right, this seems like kind of a local mountain feel like local mountain. And then you get out there and you start skiing. You're like, it's pretty damn nice. There's a lot of, a lot of space here. <laughs> yeah. It looks like the cheapest thing available right now is a little piece of land for three ninety nine in hmm. Eden on the mountain. Damn. Yeah. Eden. Yeah. Eden's the nearest town. I ate a Tex-Mex place that was good there. There you go. Eden. Exclusive. See something about being a place called Eden. Where where are you going? Yeah. I'm going to Eden. There's a nice garden there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, here we go. This is it. Exclusive gated community at Powder Mountain Ski Resort. Ski in, ski out. Large estate building lot zoned for nightly rentals. Ah. Huh. Interesting. You know, it's, waiting for? it's waiting for an olive garden of Eden. Yeah. 
I'll be here. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's that's comedy gold right there. Comedy gold. Garden of Eden. Come on, who's not going? Come on. I like it. Give it to me. (laughs) Well, if you're not into that, perhaps you are into the world's most unbelievable ski race. Ooh. Now I don't know if you're familiar with this. This have you heard of this at all? The Inferno. No, Inferno. Now I will preface this. Disco Inferno. Disco Inferno. Yes. If you go to YouTube and just type in "Return of the Turn," we've talked about this a couple times. This is Marcus Caston's like little mini video series. Yeah, and he has an episode where he goes to Murin, Switzerland. And they do this. They do. It's the world's largest and longest amateur ski race. It's called the Inferno. Top to bottom, there's thousands of competitors, little safety netting. Damn. It's it's unreal. Like, it is such a cool video because they actually, he competes in it. And, you know, he kind of, you know, it goes through the the process. They talk about, he treats it like it's a real like it's a real race and he's you know kind of going you know balls out on it but this article here in uh, ski mag was why would anyone compete in the world's most unbelievable ski race Hmm. so it talks about how it combines hard partying with a very serious downhill challenge and also there's spots that are pretty freaking terrifying he talked with alan ramsey who's head of marketing at the shilthorn ski resort and a veteran racer uh, leans back in his chair at the end of the restaurant booth. I don't think anyone who leaves the start gate isn't nervous about what's ahead. It's like, it's pushing <laughs> your limits. How much guts do you have? And, you know, he delivers the the race with a, a pre uh, prep talk with a, a smile night before the 79th race. Uh, this, the author's a first time racer in this. So this is January, 2023. So this is earlier this year. Talk about the town. It's only accessible by train. And it's a cable car as well. So nice. it sounds a lot like what you'd have, you know, something like a like a Zermatt. Most of the participants are British skiers and Asian tourists, a few oh, white wow. Americans. Slopes are overrun with skiers in padded lycra suits and team jackets. And they, they kind of go through it a little bit more. And they talk about how the first winner, Harold Mitchell, completed the descent in one hour and 12 minutes. Whoa. The whole, the whole well, this is, this is back in the day, like what, 79 years ago? Yeah. Today, good skiers can do the 14.9 kilometer race in about 20 minutes. Damn. The winner typically requires 15 at most. Whew. Yeah. Damn. And this year they actually had to shorten it by 7.6 kilometers because of the light snowpack. Hmm. That's pretty fun. And what's also crazy is they have, I guess the night before they have like a weird, like effigy. Like they have like like, burning man. It's like burning man. Yeah. They have like this weird devil dressed in jeans and sneakers and they burned it at the stake (laughs) and ward off bad luck. (laughs) <laughs> in jeans and sneakers that's awesome yeah they have this whole crazy thing so if you really want to know what it's like again find return of the turn 
and go to the Inferno episode because you have Marcus going over there with a couple of, you know, with his crew. And interestingly enough, they have the American version, which is at Tuckerman's that they do afterwards. That's episode 15. Nice. They're, they're both great. They're both great. But the Inferno one, the one in Switzerland is really yeah, it cool. Because Inferno Mirren. Yeah, you see him getting ready. You see it, and, you, and he's got a GoPro the whole time. So you actually can watch him do the race. And <sighs> he terrifying. does pretty well. He does pretty well. He doesn't win, obviously. But he does he does really well. And it's it's you watch it and you're like, well, it's crazy because they 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 stagger the start. So I think it's like every 30 seconds or every minute they send okay, someone. So up people now. don't catch up on each other. Yeah. And there's hundreds, maybe thousand people who are doing this race. So you see him going and there's people who are like in the way. And, you know, think about, you know, some, you know, tight ski trails you've been on where yeah. you have like two people there's little uphill parts you have to go up i mean there's parts where it's like two skiers wide and he's like zooming around people it's it's gotta pretty throw cool. some elbows you gotta throw some elbows if someone's gotta go off a cliff hey man it's kill or be killed should have gotten out of the fucking way that's what i'm saying should have gotten out of the way <laughs> i would i would definitely check it. it's only like 15 or 20 minutes to watch and absolutely worth it it's it's really it's really cool. 14 minutes and four seconds. You got that. You got time to watch this. You got time. The, I got that queued up. You can watch it on the toilet. Hey, there minutes. you go. If that's what you do on the toilet. Everybody watches hey. TV on the toilet. Hey, now. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. Well, speaking of skiing and ski equipment, what would, it, what would be cool is if you can do this, you can do the Inferno and... You could be skiing with some new innovative ski poles. So there's oh. an ex-Apple engineer who built some innovative ski poles that are sure to cause envy. So Snowbrains had this. And Brian, you found this. If you got more details, you wanna you wanna take yeah, this story. Um I think you I saw know this a little like, bit more about this. You know, I I'm a sucker for ski poles. I mean, we aren't we all? Any skier, a sucker for ski poles. You always want to buy a new pair of gear because gear is is freaking awesome. Got to get new gear. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I skied on... Stolen is an ugly word. Rented Far. for a long time ski poles. You like, did return them. I was with you when you did return them after like a year. So Allegedly, yes. It was a long-term rental. It was a long-term rental. But... <laughs> After that, I, uh, you know, I've, I've kind of, I've changed my ways, obviously. And now, you know, with ski poles, it's weird. You, so many of these companies just crank out the same thing over and over again. When you find something different, unique, there's that company Grass Sticks, our boy Mike, who's, uh, who's recovering now from his, yeah. his ACL injury. We talked to him a few months ago. He showed me his Grass Sticks when we were up at Waterville Valley. And they are such cool bamboo oh, yeah. ski poles if you haven't checked those nice. out you can, you can customize the grips the, the the basket the colors the shapes really really cool this is like the next level there's not as much customization but you can tell these are like these are really nice poles They're so the company's nice, yeah. yard sale they just launched earlier this year with the aim to address the gears two biggest problems how ski poles clatter around and cross over when they're being carried and how difficult it can be to get your gloves 
through the straps. I've so faced it many times. To, to overcome these difficulties, co-founder Kelly McGee used his previous experience as a product design engineer at Apple to focus on some distinct features, including magnetic handles and baskets, open loop straps, and a built-in GoPro mount. Mm, nice. Yes. So they've created a proprietary system with magnets in the handles and baskets so the poles can easily click together. Cramming enough small magnets into the thin profile of the ski pole was a challenge, but the company used high-frequency welding and metal injection molding that embeds 16 magnets into the handles of the ski poles, making them easy to snap together for manageable movement. Wow. Means no more dropping your poles in the parking lot, getting them mixed up with someone else's in the car. You, if you need to answer a phone call, you can easily free up a hand. You just magnetize them together. Boom. Hand free. There you go. That's pretty nice. I like that. Now they have a GoPro mount, but I got to say, I invented this long time before they had it. Now I took just a mount and I screwed into the top of my ski pole. Boom. I had a GoPro mount too. Mm. Look at that. You ain't lying. <laughs> you ain't lying. I ain't lying. I still got them. I got them on my leakies. That still works, right? The, uh, yeah. Yeah. Got them on my leakies, the one with the uh, the clipping, uh, you know, um, whatever whatever they call them, but the clipping uh, pieces that, that mount on your gloves. So I don't have oh, to keep putting the right. gloves in and out. It has the harness thing on there. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got a couple different color options you can choose from. Modular system, you can choose between eye-catching monochrome poles or pick different colors for your handles, basket, straps, and poles. Hmm. If you want to get weird, you can even make your right pole totally different from your left pole. These are pretty cool. These are definitely worth checking out. The thing is, you can't get them before Christmas now, obviously. And they're sold out of a couple different sizes, but wow, it's kind of nice. Moving some product, I like it. It's nice to see people thinking a little bit differently. Well, and you know, if they need sponsorship, if if they want to get their word out there, they could, they could, we can, they could sponsor us, and we'll talk about it. Let's spread the way. word far and wide. Yes, sponsorship opportunities up. are available. Which we did not mention, ski bum podcast at gmail.com. Boom. There you go. And that wraps up the old ski news. And speaking of ski bum podcast at gmail.com, it is time to go into our main topic. We actually were emailing back and forth with our pal, our new friend, Mr. Sam Weintraub. He is the CEO and founder of peakrankings.com. So, what is peak rankings? Well, they have a pretty unique product that they offer. So they actually have a criteria they set up and they do different rankings based on certain areas. They can do the whole North America. You can do it by states. We can actually let Sam talk more about it because we asked him a lot, asked him a lot of really good questions. He had a lot of good thorough answers. They also do yeah. ski trip planning, which is an interesting interesting sort of domain that Sam fell into while in college. So I'm going to stop talking about it because we asked all the questions that we think you're going to have and we'll let Sam do the talking. So here's our interview with Sam. Hope you guys enjoy it. And we have another very special guest. We met this gentleman 
up at the Snowbound Expo up in Boston a few weeks ago. And we had a great conversation, even though I was losing my voice and trying to scream and it was a loud environment and drinks and we're having fun. But Mr. Sam Weintraub, he is the founder of Peak Rankings. Sam, thank you for joining us on the podcast and welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Did you enjoy the Snowbound Expo? Because this was your first one up there, right? Yeah, it was super cool. I've never been to anything like it before. I grew up in New York and I think like the snow hype doesn't usually make it down that far, which is, which is kind of surprising because I would think that they have a larger base of, you know, like a ski clientele in New York, but those shows just don't make it down there. Like they have auto shows, they have a convention center, but I've never heard of like a ski or snowboard or like winter sports in general um, conference in New York city, which is honestly shocking. So it was pretty cool just to see all of the resort reps, like kind of see some of the things that they brought down Um, in terms of the, I, I don't want to like give kudos to any specific resorts just to, to maintain my unbiasedness, but um, (laughs) there were some resorts that did, I think pull out a couple more stops than others. Um, one resort in particular did give out free Red Bull, which after nice. you know walking around for however many hours we were there was a pretty solid um, you know, like benefit. There were I think Icon might have had an open bar. Um I don't fully remember. I, I left before it happened. They did um, have a truly tasting. Which was yeah. oh, funny. oh yes okay you could you could technically have get a million an open bar if you yeah exactly if you just like <laughs> took shot after shot of truly um that was not me but I'm certain that if you guys know about it you probably witnessed certain people taking advantage of it maybe you took advantage of it yourself um definitely imbibe but you know what? like we're grown ups like we're not we're not getting hammered on on truly at a, a ski yeah. convention a ski expo. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Well, it's, it's we're like, we're on camera. Like, we can't like give you a whole can because what are well, the we guys were just joking? Trying to ask yeah, we were joking with the ladies working there. Like, yeah, you take a little, uh, little medicine there. Like, oh no, we couldn't do that. They would. They have cameras. They would fire us. Like, <laughs> they're, like they're watching us right now. Whoa, yeah. I can't. We're I can't really, say anything. A little high strung. No, no eye contact. Mm-hmm. Don't can't say anything else. Just pour. Yeah. It. Okay. So, <laughs> sounds like. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know that that whole thing was just very interesting to me. Um, the fact that there were, you know, manufacturers and like ski reps that came from even like Western Canada was really like stunning to me. Like Boston seemed like to maybe put it into the perspective of like an auto show, like Boston kind of came off as like the Detroit of the auto industry to the, uh, to the ski industry. Um, and I would have been pretty, I, I wouldn't have been shocked to see something like that in like Denver or Salt Lake city, but seeing something like that happen in Boston was a little more of a shock to me than maybe I would have expected. And maybe it's on me because I've been covering the ski industry for four years now. And the fact that I didn't really realize this was a major event was probably a bit of a slight on my part. Um, but maybe it also says something about the fact that when people are planning ski trips, they don't really base their decisions off of like these expos, like 
the expos are nice to have and they're maybe fun, but someone's not going to go on a ski trip to like Stratton because they met like the representative at the expo there because they got a mini carabiner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got a magnet, so nice, I'm going go. to go. Nice to show off to your friends when you go to Killington instead. Yeah. No, it's funny though. It's, it's an interesting point you make. And, you know, we were, the first time we went up there was in 2018 and that, cause we were, you know, we're friends with, uh, with Matt Pepin who's from the Boston globe. And he's like, Oh, you guys got to come. It's great. And, uh, we got up there for the first time. And just like you, we were kind of blown away too by the size, the magnitude. And yeah, you know, if you're, after going there for a couple years now, you definitely see certain trends. There's, there's almost like different categories of people. You know, there's like the industry people and then there's the people who are just trying to get as much free stuff, no matter what it is as possible. Yeah. You know, like you never see the guy like six hats on and, you know, just bags full A of bag stickers. Crap in there. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. Stuff. As long as yeah. it's not nailed down, it's free. Like they're happy to grab it. There's a different well, you know, vibe. It's weird. Yeah, the, those shows are just weird, right? Like they change not just over the years, but we were talking to, uh, I'm not going to name who it was, but they were saying how like there's like some of the Denver shows that are, they're changing who they let in there. And it's just, it, it changed the uh, dynamic of, of everything. Like it's no longer hmm. like a, a brand only show. It's a, they're opening it to the public, but they're just opening it to the public as an expo not like what Snowbound is doing where it's interactive. So it's kind of weird. And it's you should change the expos. <laughs> it's changed a bunch too from last year when it was the first Snowbound to pre-COVID yeah. when it was the Boston <clears throat> Ski and Snowboard show. That show, there was, you know, what they had there, they had a giant retail section. So a lot of people would just, you know, buy their tickets, get their tickets free, and then go to this retail section and it was, you know, they had security at the, the start and the fronts, you know, the, when you enter, when you exit, so you're not stealing stuff, but you could buy everything, you know, jackets, poles. There's a lot of discounted stuff. But it was one big company. I forget if it was High Country or one of the big New England mm. wholesale. It's not wholesale. It was a retail store. So they had, they pretty much had the, the whole lock on the retail for the, the whole show. I mean, the little booths could sell their stuff, but that was like what a lot of folks went to was just the retail. And they added that back this year with that, um, that high country, the name of the, the group. I don't know if you looked at their, their setup they, or summit summit sports, maybe where they had, you could buy those packages. So it's like, Oh, here's the low package. It's 400 bucks. You can pick boots. The, this are the boots for this level. Oh yeah. This, that was the, the whole skis. gear setup. I remember that. Yeah. It was weird. It was a little bit strange the way that whole thing was set up. You really needed to look at the instructions and be like, oh, well, okay, this is how it works. But yeah. I guess if that's what you're going for specifically, like I want to get a, a good price set up for the season, you know, you go through the, the motions and you make it happen. Um, but yeah, it's definitely changing every year a little bit. Um, I got to be honest, I liked last year's show better, even though the venue wasn't as good. Maybe because we had a bigger part in the show and we actually hosted a stage and we got to talk to all like Chris Davenport and Bodie Miller. And We're stuff. actually working. Yeah, Maybe that's why we liked it more. But this year was, uh, and also we were there the whole weekend. This this year we kind of had to had to duck out a little bit early. But and you this know, year I think uh, it was good. Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, being there all those days for just hanging out would have. I think what we do is it perfect. doesn't sound like a very unbiased comparison. Sounds like you had a lot more to work with last year. Yeah. yeah, I think we, we were definitely had higher 
higher billing last year. You know, it's almost like if you uh, you go to like a music festival and you're like the opening band on Thursday or you're playing like, you know, Saturday in the early evening. You know, like it's it's we're opening for court. Like this is big, yeah. you know, versus like, uh, you know, you're Hootie and the Blowfish this year. I, I don't know. That's a terrible, terrible uh, metaphor. <laughs> I don't know where are you going with that? I don't know where I'm going. I just, I just, I listened to corn before for some reason. I don't know what was going on. Like my brain is just, it. I'm having a midlife crisis or something. I was just listening to corn for like 20 minutes going like, why that? Why am I listening to corn? I don't even know. I just, mm. I don't know. I just don't know. But you know, I'm just running with it, baby. Just rolling with it. You know, just taking the energy, just taking it in and putting good, trying to put good energy out, doing what I can. Speaking of good energy and doing what you can, Sam, tell us about, peak rankings and when did you decide to start this company yeah absolutely so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of backgrounds just on me and kind of my experience skiing in general um so i've been skiing like casually my whole life um i never like growing up i never really like raced or did anything like crazy like went to like a ski boarding school any of that stuff but my family was you know well off enough that we would still go on vacations like at least once a year. Um, and I think just providing that first step was like basically the, the stepping ground to be able to launch to what I got to today. So like, I think that's something that a lot of people actually, you know, in the Northeast get to do, but it's not something that a lot, everyone in the world has access to. So I would just say like fundamentally that's step number one. Um, step number two was in college. Um, I joined this, I, I actually joined two ski organizations. So I joined the ski club and I joined the ski team. So what school I went, did you go to? I went to Cornell and it was really cold there. So yeah. like actually the, the, is only, gorgeous. the only thing to do there during the winter that was outside was ski. Um, or just like freeze yourself to death. But, um, you know, the, the only thing that was enjoyable to do that was outside was like <laughs> going ski. So I spent like three days drinking outside, right? <laughs> hey, well, you can do Enjoyable. that at the ski resort. Have you ever heard of operate ski before? There you go. <laughs> um, yeah. So like Greek peak was where I spent my winters for four years. Um, nice. I like ended up the ski club didn't go often enough. So I ended up joining the ski team, which was basically just like an excuse to go to Greek peak and get free, like GS and slalom lessons. Like I, I never, I never actually did good in the races. Like I, I only made JV, but it was like a walk on team. They gave me the instruction and then it was just an opportunity to like meet more people. So um, it was a really great opportunity. And I think just being involved with that, and eventually becoming the co-president of the ski club. Those were things that really, I think got me more interested in skiing as like more of a passion thing um, rather than just having it be like a casual um, hobby, like back when I was in middle school and high school. Um, I would also say that the other really nice thing about being in the ski club, and especially when I became co-president was we had we we basically specialized in running really large group trips. So I got a, a ton of um you know like experience going on trips to mostly northeast resorts, but occasionally I think we did one trip 
to Colorado that I went on. I think we might have done um, four. I think we did four to Tremblant, like one every year. Oh, um, nice. So I got experience like going to all these different mountains. Um, I had like a group to go with, um, which number one was just fun because we got to experience like the resorts as like a group. Um, and like, I think I would have never realized how important opera was a part of like a ski trip unless I'd gone on like all those college ski trips. Um, oh, yeah. Giggity giggity. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think after, after college, I started taking it a little bit more easy. Um, and like, settled into a corporate job um but you know i i had a little bit of savings so i still went on you know like one trip a year for the first two years out of college um and then about two years into my corporate role i kind of realized i was on a path to be working in credit cards for the rest of my life <laughs> um, every every young boy's dream right you know, as, as many credit cards. I mean, no, screw that. Please, are, no. Like, and there, there are a stunning number of credit card influencers. Um, and it's actually crazy how much money you can save on your ski trip if you know how to game credit cards. But like, I've specifically held off on like publishing that type of content because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. Bowtie bum. Um, but there's like, I know just, all about it. Okay, so I mean, I don't need to tell you guys. I'll. Basically, I'll, I'll save that advice for another time. People make full-time jobs out of this. I know, yeah, I know. Credit card hacking. Um, but there, there were like a couple of things while I was working in credit cards that I realized. Um, number one, you can rank anything and have people attracted to it. Like people, people are just naturally attracted to rankings and comparisons. Um, hmm. And number two, nobody was doing that in the ski industry. Like, I think the the idea for peak rankings was more figure out something to rank first because people will naturally come to this content. Like people people are going to look at things that are ranked no matter what. Um, and then the second thing was okay, I want to start a company. I don't want to work in credit cards for for the rest of my life. What do I know something about that is not saturated? And that was where the idea for peak rankings came from. Um, and as soon as I came up with the idea, uh, I enlisted my friend who was a software engineer and we started building the V one of the website. Um, but before we even were able to do that, we had to come up with a name and we honestly were just going, trying to go for the most generic, like straightforward name that had to do with like, ski ratings or like ski comparison or rankings as possible. So we went through and we looked at all the available domain names. So we went through like ski, well, ski.com would have been great to take, but that obviously is already owned. Um, Then we looked at like ski ratings, ski rankings, peak ratings, peak rankings, and peak rankings was available for 400 bucks. And we were like, okay, this, this is basically the, best domain name we're ever going to get and 400 bucks is pretty steep but it's going to pay off as an investment and it actually sounds pretty catchy and so like 
not only did it give us like a pretty catchy brand name, but we didn't even have to think about it because we were kind of like forced into it anyway. So <laughs> we didn't like brainstorm. We didn't like go into like uh, consulting mode and like try to brainstorm like the catchiest name. We literally you just try to have a vision quest and come up with a name. <laughs> What's that? You didn't try to do like a vision quest where you got hammered or high and just, you know, try to a find a name. mushrooms and yeah, <laughs> that's right. The desert. Ayahuasca water is, it came to me in a I'm vision. Gonna, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you're doing when you're searching for the names. Let's try everything. Well, um, so yeah. And then the, the way we found a logo was an even funnier story. Um, so we didn't, have any idea how to design a logo. So we just found this auction site where you can basically say, oh, here's what we want to do. Design this logo. And if you have the best logo, we will pay you 200 bucks. So we told everyone who was in the auction that the name of the company was Peak Rankings. Um, We use this company called Design Hill. And what that allows you to do is you know, you can have like all of these contractors bid for, um, you know, like a logo. So for example, if for Ski Bum Podcast, you wanted them to design your logo for you, you'd be like, hey, we're Ski Bum Podcast. We do podcasts and we talk about cool stuff and we're casual. We don't do any like corporate shilling. And then you'd have like 200 or 300 people who would come in and they would like submit their, um, you know, like ideas for a logo for you. And then you would select the best one. And so there were a couple of pretty good options, but the one we ended up going with, um, there was one person who really got the color scheme right. Um, and then like, he just had a couple things that we wanted to make some very minor adjustments for. So we like asked him to make those adjustments and then he made them and then we were good to go. And we had the logo. Nice. Very nice. So you're definitely using a lot of outsourcing to get <laughs> to it start, to start. To start, that was, that yeah. was a lot of outsourcing. I think we we ever did <laughs> at that point. So then, so you, what about like what timeline is this mm-hmm. when you guys are doing getting the website, getting yeah. the, uh, the logo? That is an excellent question because the the timeline that we ended up doing this was September 2019. So we didn't even know what we were about to walk into. We had no idea what was about to happen. Um, So we were just like building a website. I was like pounding out these reviews. Um, My buddy was like coding the website. Um, It was literally just probably the most intense because I still had a full-time job at that point. So it was like probably the most intense, um, you know, like, work hours I've ever had in my life. Um, I don't think I spent like more than maybe like five to 10 hours a month of doing things that weren't related to peak rankings. Cause like the, the whole wow. thing, we need to get the website up. Like we need to build the website. We need to get it up. Um, the big mistake we made was building the website from scratch. Like neither of us knew anything. Like we, <laughs> neither of us had, well, actually, my my friend had started a company before, but it was like a consulting thing. So it wasn't a product. But neither of us had ever built a product before. Part of the reason we like started it 
wasn't necessarily to have peak rankings become a successful company. It was to learn how to start a company. Um, and we're like, okay, if we're going to do this. We may as well do it with something that is cool. Um, and so we were just like doing stuff from scratch. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, I just knew I, I wasn't even like a good writer. Like I just was like, okay, we need to get this stuff out. Um, no one else, I can't afford a writer. So let me just write it all myself. Like I, I majored in engineering. I took like two writing classes in all of college. So this was like the first time I'd like dusted off Microsoft word in maybe like, maybe, maybe like five or six years. Um, it was, it was straight up like just trying to do the things that needed to be done without actually like having the, I don't think anyone would have hired me to do any of the things that I did when I was like building this website. Um, but yeah, Killington was actually the first review I ever wrote because I'd been there like 40 times. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to start with this one. Um, what would people actually care about? And what do people not know that they care about, but actually care about? Um, I was actually pretty inspired by consumer reports and how I started writing these reviews. Like, you know how when they talk about car reviews, they'll be like, hey, that seat handle is awkward, or like the controls for the radio are annoying like those are things that like if you're reading like a car magazine you don't care about but when you're in your everyday life and you're spending money on something it actually like impacts your experience quite a bit and no one was talking about these things like at killington it's such a pain to get around and that like will actually have a significant negative impact on your day um there's also like the fact that if the peak lodge for example like if that's not big enough and you can't find a seat that's going to be an annoyance too. You're spending so much money on these places. You should be able to like have a, you know, like carefree, as close to a carefree experience as possible. Um, and so like n- literally no one was talking about these things in the ski world. Um, and it was, I think, well, not that surprising because it wasn't very saturated, but um, it was disappointing that none of this stuff existed. Um, and as I was kind of thinking this stuff through, I realized like, there had been some mountains I'd spent, like, I, I'm ashamed to admit it. I spent like $200 per day at one specific mountain in Colorado um, mm. and waited in lift wow. lines for like 40 minutes the entire time I was, like, every, every day I was there. That is not fun. That's annoying. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're skiing in powder, I would prefer to ski on like decent terrain and not wait in lift lines than to like ski a couple of powder laps have it like get tracked out and be waiting in line for 80% of my day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with that. And yeah, you know what? The only rankings I, uh, I think of is, you know, like the ski magazine best resorts and those, I mean, it's almost laughable. You know, somebody's behind ever. the scenes saying, well, Hey man, hook us up. Right. Well, a lot of times it's the people who do pay for all the advertising are the ones that, yeah. Oh my God, amazingly show up in the, the mm-hmm. top five or 10. So, you know, to your point, like where is the honesty in the rankings? If you know, who's going to show up early and you know, the top rankings every single year. And it's not, it's it, from, from what perspective. And I think that's, that's kind of the what makes a ranking valuable is if you're able to to understand the system like why what makes something better than another you know to your again to your point consumer reports it's not the guy who's trying to you know fast and the furious thing this like quarter mile at a time 
it's mm-hmm. the person who has a car they're living with every single day and it's like yeah this the 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 spot where the window the window controls is is stupid you know or the steering wheel like doesn't feel right you know those are the things that if you're living with it every day those yeah. are things that do matter those so, awkward reaches will catch up to you 100% yes so if you're ranking crazy system, reach around in the car <laughs> this is what this is what i'm talking about so regarding your ranking system so how did you create this ranking system yeah and you know i i know you have your annual 2324 rankings out there how do you go about ranking each resort mhm that is an excellent question so i'm just going to go back a little bit to what i told you earlier so like i think there's certain things that are very obvious like the snow terrain mountain aesthetic like challenge like those are things everyone cares about and you know like we had to figure out a way to to get them into our rankings um with the other stuff like the the more logistical stuff like crowds um ease of navigation on mountain facilities those those were things that we just decided like we were going to weight them pretty heavily because those actually have a pretty significant impact on how well your day goes like even if even if like on the surface it doesn't seem like that big of a deal they have a massive impact on like whether or not you have a good day. Um, the other thing that, you know, maybe is a little bit more obvious to people who have spent time at these resorts, but also doesn't get that much. Um, I actually would say wall street journal is a huge offender in this respect, but um, reliability or resiliency, like resorts that, you know, might be 4,000 acres large, but they don't have their terrain. Like they might have the summit open half the time or summit closed, excuse me, half the time. Um, like if you're, if you're not getting what's advertised, it's like very much not going to be the experience that you signed up for. And even, even if like a resort is half closed, they're probably charging the same price as if it's, unless it's the earlier late season, which people usually predict um, something will be closed or not. Like if, if half the mountain is closed during January or February, they're not going to, like give you a discount on lift tickets unless it's like really egregious. Um, but that is all to say, um, I think we, we kind of had to figure out how to take the rankings from just not existing to being something that not only accurately depicted these mountains, but did so in a way that was easily digestible to the average person. So like at first we had like this pretty complex ranking system where we were just going to go like really in depth and like have all these complex metrics. Um, But then we realized like, okay, this is going to have like a bunch of, you know, like different weights for all these categories. It's going to have like decimal points. It's not going to be easy to understand. So why don't we just like break this stuff into 10 different categories? And then if like something's really important, then we'll like break it into two subcategories. So for example, like with terrain diversity and challenge, we broke those two into two separate categories. Honestly, you could say like size, terrain, diversity, challenge, like all three of those kind of encompass very similar things. Um, yeah. The snow and resiliency, those things also like you could group that as just a general snow thing. Um, but we wanted to like groups, general snow and general terrain higher than like facilities. So we just broke them out into like different categories so we could weight each of them out of 10 and just have something that was really easily digestible by anyone who was looking at our content. Hmm. So, so it's based on the categories. ranking and the weighting. Mm-hmm. 
So you have 10 categories. 10 categories. Yes. And they're all weighted out of 10 um, for an overall score out of 100. So hopefully very simple. We use the same color. We use the same color scale for all of the rankings. So basically, if you see something that's more blue, you'll know that it's you'll instinctively kind of infer that it's better. If something's more red, then it's worse. Um, So we basically just not only like have the scores, but we try to like visually explain them to you too, just to make it as easy as possible. That's cool. I'm looking at your, your uh, methodology here. So you got category one, snow, two, resiliency, three, size, four, terrain diversity, five, challenge, six, lifts, seven, crowd flow, eight, facilities, nine, navigation, and 10, mountain aesthetic. You got it. I love that. I like nice and easy, nice and round, 10. What does Opre fit in there? Is that mountain aesthetic? Yeah. So for Opre and lodging and getting there and parking, um, those are things that we were trying to figure out how to incorporate. Um, and we mm-hmm. ultimately ended up having them not as part of the overall score, but as like a different rating entirely. Um, and like part of the reason for that is because those are things that people aren't necessarily experiencing on their down the mountain. And there's so much variety in them that it's like hard to actually weight them as part of the overall on mountain experience. Um, so like this this is obviously subjective. And if, if someone else were to include like operate in their overall ranking of a ski resort, I wouldn't blame them, but like, we had well, to, kind of, to operate alone. There's a lot to rank there. Food, music, I know, I know. vibe, like, mm-hmm. right. We had to like cut the line somewhere. Um, and so we ultimately just decided like, okay, it might be better if, you know, like people could see like, oh, this resort gets a 78 out of a hundred, but it has limited operate versus this resort has 72 out of a hundred, but it has extensive operate. If operate right. is important to you, like you can filter for resorts that have extensive operate and just look at the rankings that way. That was at least, that was at least the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say one of the big opportunities for the website is we still need to like build out our rankings so that people could manually filter things. That is, that is like the, the big uh, like opportunity right. the way we built the website makes it really, really difficult and monotonous to do that. So we're working on a solution. Um, we are hoping we can have something out sooner rather than later. Um, but that is like the number one piece of feedback we actually get. And I mm. totally sympathize with everyone who has like requested this. Um, as soon as we can figure out a way to like actually allow people to filter for like recommended ability level for onsite lodging, for operate ski, for like ease of getting there, like terms of hours from the nearest airport. Those are all things that, you know, would be really, really helpful for anyone planning a ski trip. Um, we're just like somewhat limited in terms of the amount of content that we're able to produce on the website, unfortunately. Yeah. I think too, you know, some of it is subjective as well. You know, like you talk about, you know, what APRE, just as an example, like what are you into? You know, like it's, it's really the things you're talking about in terms of like snow difficulty terrain, that stuff is a little more objective. You know, you kind of Mm -hmm. like, listen, we've got 200 trails. We get, 500 inches of snow on average every year. Like that's, that's pretty mm-hmm. again, objective. And you know, you can, you can create a, 
a base level there. I pray it's like, well, you know, I like things fun, but not too loud. And I like to go to wine bars and not right. breweries. Like it's like, stop, just stop. And I like country music, but not folk music. I yeah. like so dance music, but not techno music. It's like, okay, you're splitting hairs now. And I think too, like, you know, I, you know, a snowbird's not going to show up in your list of top places for opry, but I will tell you, you get a wonderful steak, you get a couple of beers. I mean, you had an epic day of skiing. That's, that's good enough. And you're for me in bed by opry. nine. You're in bed you're by nine. On, yeah. It's beautiful. I love that. That to me is a perfect opry if I'm at snowbird. So that was the first half of the interview. We got another, another half available that we're going to have on next week. So make sure you follow along subscribe rate if you want to send us an email skip on podcast gmail.com thank you so much for listening we do appreciate it thank you to sam for joining us check us out skibonepodcast.com go to the socials instagram twitter facebook meant x x facebook instagram untapped youtube at skibon podcast you do like this whenever you do x you gotta do like that's right Degeneration X. You want to help us out? Patreon.com slash Skibum Podcast. Join one of the levels. Become part of the show. We would love that. Check out the newsletter. The newsletter has nice links to Patreon that we worked on. Pretty cool. Pretty sweet. Yeah. If you go to the website, just go to skibumpodcast.com. You can join the newsletter there. Got the shop, skibumpodcast.com slash shop. You can order some swag. Thank you so much for listening. We had fun. Mario, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you before the new year, as promised. Cheers. Have a wonderful holiday. Hope you're enjoying your ski season. We will talk to you guys next week. Stay high, stay fluting. See ya.